How is it going, everyone? It is once again me, Chewy, and I am one of the hosts of this horror podcast titled Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends. And what we do in this podcast is we analyze something that has to do with the horror genre, for example, a movie, a TV show, or even a short story. And the topic for this episode is going to be none other than the 2022 film Megan. Before we start though, I want to remind everyone out there to please check out our Linktree page, which is linktree.com slash mythsbehindlgds, in which you can find all of our social media links to our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, etc. And also before we start, we are taking a short little commercial break, but after that, Mariah and I will jump right into the discussion of this very, very exciting and quirky film, so stick around. Okay, Mariah, so we are now at your segment, and we are discussing none other than the 2022 film, Megan. So, before I even ask you for your first impressions, how excited were you to do this movie before you even saw it? Really excited. (laughs) And why was that, my friend? Um, I would probably say it was because... She's just so cute and little and looks like a doll. <laughs> and so creepy. I think it's, it's more of the creepiness of the height that just, and doll. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, you and... can't go wrong there. <laughs> and for those of you out there who are listening to us for the first time ever, or in case you are not aware of this fact, Mariah is in fact a doll collector, right? Yes, I am a hardcore creepy tall collector <laughs> <laughs> so guesstimation would you be able to tell us how many you have more or less um i probably have more than 100 for sure creepy dolls creepy yeah <laughs> that are gore and spooky looking Just might freak out a lot of people <laughs> but it's so fun i have i have my own little like i have a room just dedicated to that so the creepiness so okay yeah. so number one i like how you emphasize the fact that they're all creepy as... <laughs> <laughs> and second of all if i ever were to visit your home area i would never step into that room i don't think <laughs> <laughs> it's okay well the voices may may lure you in so i need to tune that out <laughs> that's what i'm afraid of uh unless i have someone to like kind of just look at me from the outside and maybe i'll, I'll step inside <laughs> For a couple minutes. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in all seriousness, I do have a couple of creepy doll stories of my own. But I'll share those later after we go over the movie. Yay! I think I even have one too that I can kind of share. It's like a really quick one, but yeah, I'll share that later. Yeah, we'll do it after the, the movie review slash rant slash whatever it is we do in this podcast. And <laughs> so, okay. This movie came out sometime last year in the movie theaters. And the one that I saw, and I think it might have been the same one that you saw, is the one on Peacock, which allegedly had more blood, more violence, more foul language, because it was the unrated version. You didn't see the movie theater one, did you? No, I did not. Okay, I didn't either. So, just for fun, I did kind of a little bit of research... And there are a couple of, th- of scenes that are a little different. 
but uh, we'll get to those eventually. But I just want to point out the fact that th and the differences are not very big, mind you. It's minimal. So it's not like you missed out on a lot if you didn't see the movie theater version. I would still recommend you and anyone out there watches uh, the one on Peacock or the unrated cut, as it's going to be called from here on out for us. Because, I don't know, I just think it's it's better. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I didn't see the original version, I think this is better because, I mean, it's, it's a rated R or it's, it's unrated. Which means that they can get away with doing more things than they could with the movie theater version. And one last thing I want to share before we start is that there was a screening for this. And I'm sure, Mariah, you are aware that movie studios do screenings for small audiences. Like maybe like, I don't know, 30, 40 people, whatever. And they show them like a, like a rough draft of the movie, so to speak. Depending how the people react to that rough draft or whatever. The studio people decide to, okay, we need to change a few scenes, or we can leave it as it is mostly, but we can still do a little bit of uh, more special effects, whatever, right? And a lot of times, that actually has resulted in movies getting reshot almost completely. <laughs> and that can be a good and a bad thing, depending on how the people react, and depending on what kind of people you have in the, that screening. But um, I brought that up because... The reason why this movie was made into a PG-13 film is that the screening, and not only that, but also the marketing, apparently was really popular with teenagers. So the people in charge of making the movie, the executives, whatever you want to call them, decided that, hey, I think if we make this PG-13, we can get the, the teenager crowd in and make more money out of this. Oh. So that is why... They, because the movie was supposed to be rated R to begin with. Wow. And once this uh, screening and all this marketing results came back, then that's when they decided, hey, we can uh, make these changes and have more people come in. And I guess it worked out for them really well because the budget, Mariah, for this film was $12 million. Whoa. Which, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, it's not a lot for a Hollywood movie. No, definitely not. I mean, for example, when you, not that they're the same kind of movie, mind you, but when you compare this to something like Spider-Man, for example, Spider-Man is like, what, like $150 million budget, whatever, $300 million budget. But those movies make a ridiculous amount of money, right? So they know they're going to get their money back and then some. But this one, with a budget of only, quote-unquote, $12 million, made almost $175 million in the box office. Whoa. So that's roughly about 10 times the budget. I mean, if you factor in the marketing, stuff like that, let's say they spend about $20 million altogether. Even then, this movie would still have made about $150 million. So I'd say it's a big success. What do you think? I think that is huge. I feel like they made them way, a lot more money than expected, probably. And that's probably good that they were able to look at the... Um, strategies on where to market and I guess get the numbers incorrectly so that way they can make the money. <laughs> it probably wouldn't have been successful if it was the other way around. I think it would have still have made them money but not as much as it did in this case because they did bring in like a lot of the quote-unquote teenage like the high school teenager audience whatever. 
So I think that added to the total. Uh, I can't say exactly how much, but I mean, I, I'm guessing that was a big chunk of that. But anyways, I guess we can start with the movie, Maria. So, the movie starts with a terrifying scene, I thought. Because the first thing you see in this movie is some sort of weird-looking Furby ripoff type of thing. <laughs> and you may know this, Maria, because I shared this with you before. That I am not a big fan of Furbies. I love them. I really want one. I had one. I really want one. So bad. But yeah, I think I think you just get really freaked out. I do, personally. I'm not gonna even lie about this. I'm terrified <laughs> of Furbies. <laughs> I mean, I can talk about demons and the devil and stuff like that, but when it comes to <laughs> But not Furby. Yeah, Furby's like, and... That's, that's <laughs> flying over the line. Yeah, Furby's and porcelain dolls, I don't think so. That's like my line right there. Oh, porcelain dolls. <laughs> so what if they're so beautiful? They're saying, I love you, Chewie. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> I'll bust out my crucifix. That would be so cool just to hear at like 2 a.m. in the morning. But yeah, this scene is really sad going into it. Well, yeah, because they show a Furby, and, and actually, or not a Furby Furby, but like a ripoff of a Furby, whatever. And they talk about how this girl had a dog, and the dog died because of old age, whatever, and I was like, that's depressing <laughs> for a commercial. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's sad, but it, it's funny in a way, because it, it's something that's not expected, I think. Yeah, as, as an opener, that was, was like, What? <laughs> like well, imagine taking your five-year-old and I'm just like crying hard <laughs> I feel so bad yeah so I mean I don't know this is that that commercial was equally as funny as it was terrifying and uh, so then we jump to uh, a family driving through the snow and it's gonna be Katie who is the young girl and her parents, do they ever tell us how old she is? She looks like she's like eight or nine years old, um, right? She's nine. Nine? Okay. Just making sure because at times she acted like she was a little bit older, maybe like 12, but I thought she was a little bit short for that. Yes, I agree. So I guess let's say she's eight or nine years old. And her parents are arguing with her because she seems to be spending too much time with this new demonic Furby thing. And uh, <laughs> so she's playing with it in the car. And her mom's trying to get after her and like, hey, turn that off, please, because it's annoying and you're spending too much time with that. And then the dad is driving and he realizes that the road is too dangerous. So he stops in the middle of the road, mind you. <laughs> Which, I mean, no, <laughs> you never do that. <laughs> you always try to find a, like a shoulder. And if there's no shoulder, I mean, you keep going I guess, as slow as you can. I've done that in the rain, for example, like when, it, when it's raining and I'm on the expressway. The speed limit's roughly about 80 miles an hour, but I go maybe like 30, 35. I don't care who's behind me. If it's raining heavily, I'm not going to go faster than that. <laughs> because I value my safety above everything. Or I just pull over on the side of the road, like on the expressway. Or I get off on an exit or whatever, and I just pull over in the gas station or something. till the rain kind of lets out, if I can. Yeah, the way he went about it was oh, just heart-wrenching. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't the smartest thing, but I guess he was nervous. And so, I think it was, I don't know, like an 18-wheeler or something that runs him over? Yes, 
I think so. Because all I remember seeing were the headlights, maybe, I think, of the 18-wheeler. And everything was it went white, I think, right after that. Did you expect that as an opening scene also? No, I did not. I just It just brought me back to when I lost my mom in real life. And I felt so bad for the little girl. So young, losing a parent. I can't even imagine losing both parents. And then what really got me was the opening of this this movie was how depressing it was with the ad about, you know, about the toy and the ad and like losing a dog and stuff. It's just, oh, it was horrible. I was like, I, I would not want my three-year-old to watch this or something. <laughs> Well, it is a PG-13 movie, Mariah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Knowing me, I would I would bring my three-year-old kids. So. <laughs> they do recommend that the kids are at least 13 years old before they watch this. But okay, I mean, you want to bring a three-year-old to the movie theater with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, horror fan. You got to teach them young, you know. Or yeah. maybe sit them in the living room as you're streaming this into your, your TV. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. It's, it's your... <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I think I would let my kids watch certain horror movies if they, I think, would appreciate them. Nothing too violent. Maybe something. I and mean, this, I think, they could probably watch. <laughs> Maybe, depending how old they are, of course. But uh, anyways, so <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a parent, so this this, this episode is gonna have a lot of hypotheticals here, mind you. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely both not parents. Well, I'm a dog mom, but that's not really. I'm a doll mom, too. I have a lot of dolls. <laughs> <laughs> I got a few cats. I got about five or six cats right now, so. Uh, Whoa, that's alive? Yeah, in my backyard. They're kind oh. of just hanging out. That's so cool. Yeah, so I guess you could say I'm a cat dad. But uh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think they would appreciate watching this movie for very long. <laughs> <laughs> But anyways, uh, so we cut to Gemma, who is, uh, I guess, a scientist or an engineer, rather, in a toy company. And actually, before I get to her, they show a couple of scenes in which they take you into this office, which is, I guess, a toy company. And you have a bunch of people watching kids play, and I thought it was kind of creepy. <laughs> oh, yeah. But the reason for that is, this is how I think they do the marketing in real life for their toy lines. So basically what I think they do is they create a new toy or a new doll or something like that. They bring in a test group of kids. I don't know, maybe like 10, 20 kids. I mean, I'm just guessing here, right? And they have them play with this thing for a limited amount of time. And they write down anything they see as far as how excited they are, how bored they are. Or if the kid says something like, this toy looks stupid or whatever. I mean, I don't know. Right? So they basically do marketing research. Stuff like that. So I guess that's what they're, so they're showing us here. In this little montage. And then finally, we cut to Gemma, who is the, the aunt. And she actually ends up with custody of Katie. So she's in the middle of developing this new project, which is the Megan doll. But her boss doesn't know about this, so she's kind of like in deep water. She's supposed to be working on the new version of the satanic Furby thing. <laughs> I'm always going to call that, I'm sorry. 
Uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> so she's supposed to be working on that, but she's secretly working on Megan. And she has it to where she's kind of giving the, or she's going to give the her boss a demo of this thing. And you see it, and it's like a metal skeleton just kind of hanging <laughs> from a rack. And that looks creepy enough. Yes. Oh, so <laughs> creepy. But then they had the face, the the whatever plastic face it is, and that looks even creepier. <laughs> so what? how do you feel when they added the face to that thing? I just thought how beautiful it would look in my front door hmm. of my house. <laughs> okay. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> creepy. As it looked in that scene? Yes. You would hang it in your front door? Yes. Like a metal skeleton with, with a plastic... Yes. <laughs> yes. And even and as we go deeper into it, one eye like slowly dro droops down. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was beautiful to watch. I was I was falling <laughs> in love at this scene. Yeah, because what what's happening is that they want to give the boss a demo, but one of the one of the coworkers forgets to put something in the in the doll or something. He says, "Oh, I forgot to add this thing." So the skin melts off and the eye looks all weird. And I was like, "Oh my god, this looks creepy as hell." <laughs> <laughs> and then it blows up, right? Yes. It kind of just explodes, so... <laughs> yeah. And it was so sad. I was like, no. Oh, and then, like, the voice changes, too. Yeah. When it's messing up. But it, it sounded so weird. It it sounded almost like a spirit just going inside the doll. Like an evil spirit. Because the voice changed, and then it started getting really mean, I believe. So that was really creepy. That just gave me ghost, <laughs> evil ghost experiences. Yeah, the voice changes, I think, because I guess this guy, because since he forgot to add whatever it was he forgot to add, it caused the doll to overhear or whatever, and, and it blew up. And the boss gets the <laughs> like a chunk of plastic skin on his shirt, whatever, and he's like, okay, whatever. Make sure you're working on what you're supposed to actually be working on. Forget about this. You have until next Friday to make this thing happen, whatever, like the, the satanic Furby. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so actually, this is when, when Gemma finds out that she's supposed to be taking care of Katie from now on. So she asks for time off from work, of course, because she's mourning because Katie is her niece and her mom was Gemma's sister. And she is named the legal guardian, I guess, in her sister's will. So now she's supposed to be looking after her. And when she brings her to the house, we meet the neighbor. A really annoying lady, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and her dog, who is like a savage creature. So what do you think of the neighbor and the dog? When, we, when you first met them, when you first met them in the, in the movie, like in the scene specifically. Oh, it kind of reminded me of this other show on Netflix, actually. And I honestly thought this actress, I guess like the neighbor, looked just like this other girl. It's the one with, um, 
I don't know. I think it was like the house with a neighbor or something. It's with Naomi Watts and it's a horror show on Netflix. It's, it's a new one. And I just immediately thought it was her at first when I saw her, the neighbor. And then the dog, I just thought like, oh, we always have, you know, I just like experience um, neighbors sometimes that are <laughs> a little bit nosy. Yeah. I don't talk to my neighbors at all. Oh, really? Okay. No. I think I know what a couple of them look like. <laughs> if I saw them in the street, I think I might recognize them. Ah, uh, it was called The Watcher. I'm so sorry. It's called The Watcher. It's on Netflix. And that lady looks like the neighbor from The Watcher. And and then I think they even have... There's like a dog or something involved, I think. Or something. And it just... Reminding me of that. I don't think I've heard of that show, but I'll be checking it out for sure if I find it on Netflix. It's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so I was gonna say that I don't talk to my neighbors too much, but um, one of them has dogs, and those dogs are annoying because they're little chihuahuas. And there are literally, I want to say, about six of them because the mommy chihuahua dog gave birth. So now she has like four or five little minions running after her. <laughs> <laughs> and they're annoying because they scare my cats. My cats were chilling in the, in the front yard or whatever. And they like, like oh, Jesus. oh my God. Okay, whatever. Oh, um, no. <laughs> I don't hate dogs, but these dogs I'm not a huge fan of, to be honest. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah it's kind of scary when other dogs scare your own pets. And I know with mine... Um, I have like this neighbor dog and yeah, she's, and it's funny because, you know, my dog is a dog and she's afraid of this other dog that's smaller than her, but he's really mean or not mean. He's just very barky <laughs> <laughs> and she, she starts shaking and it's so sad. I was like, I just want to like hug her. <laughs> Tell her it's okay. <laughs> There's mean people in the world. <laughs> So, I guess this all comes down to me trying to say that if you own a dog, please be responsible with it. Don't let it run the neighborhood like and scare cats and people and other pets because that's not cool. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, because if that dog ends up attacking someone, then that person can call the cops and have that dog put down, which is something that's also tragic. But, yeah, I mean, just be responsible with your pets, guys. Don't, don't let them... Run around the neighborhood and scare everyone, please. <laughs> For your benefit and theirs and everyone else's. So, I didn't like the lady in this <laughs> first scene. I thought she was annoying, <laughs> nosy, like everything that I don't want the neighbor to be with me. And... <laughs> well, they hit the nail pretty hard on this one with the neighbors. Like, yep, we all have, we all know one. <laughs> yeah, everyone has neighbors like that, unfortunately, at some point in their lives. And... I don't know, I guess I'm just a private person and I don't like to talk to someone too much that I'm not in the mood to be talking to. <laughs> so, I'm actually a very private person. I'm not one that would start conversations with anyone just randomly like that. I mean, I don't know. Um, and a lot of people take that to mean that I am a bitter person, but I mean, whatever. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, Gemma takes... Katie inside the house, showing her around, trying to get her to feel at home after this horrible tragedy. 
because this girl has lost her parents and not only that but now she has to move to a different city different house different everything basically and then we get a therapist in the end scene here which i guess is something that cps child protective services would do but basically what they do is when a child is considered to be endangered by any reason this organization gets involved here in texas at least and so they send a therapist to Gemma's house and she's there to evaluate i guess if Gemma is fit to be a good guardian for katie and that's all cool and everything but this therapist is kind of like a biatch <laughs> i'm sorry like <laughs> I don't know how you feel yeah, about her. Yeah, she, she doesn't have, I think, I think it was more like she sees like her job as something, maybe wanting it to be fast paced. The, um, the, I guess, what do they call her? Uh, what is it called in Texas? It's like a worker, a, uh, something uh, worker. I don't know. Social worker? The name is. Social worker, yes. I and I've I've actually experienced some social workers in my time when I was a little girl. And I remember um some sometimes, some of them, not all of them, I think they're more like they're just very fast paced, wanting to observe and then put down whatever they observed and then move on to the next one and then get a paycheck without even kind of noticing a bond form which in this case i feel like she wasn't as sensitive the social worker with Gemma and katie i mean they didn't Gemma didn't have any kids this is her niece her sister just died she has no experience what it's like to be a mom but at the same time, there's like, there needs to be something to grow and stuff. And I feel the social worker didn't have patience for that. And it, it was really sad to see. Um, she was really rude to Gemma. That's what I meant. I guess I should explain myself because I don't want people to get mad at me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I call this lady a biatch. Uh, because that's what I meant. She came in. She was very judgmental, right off the bat. She basically made it seem like everything Gemma was doing was wrong. Without even knowing her. Without, like you said, taking into account the circumstances of all this, this, new, of this new situation. Because, yeah, you have a girl who lost her parents. She's very young. She was there. when, when I mean, she was in the same accident, mind you. So she, she basically saw it happen. And now she's living with this lady, her aunt, who, yeah, she has no experience. She's never had a kid. She just never, I guess, felt the need to be a mother. And they actually talk about that later in the movie. So someone who has no experience, who has a difficult time adjusting to this as well. And this lady comes in, oh, well, you're supposed to do this. And well, you're supposed to do that. And this is supposed to be happening. And she's wearing her pajamas, and it's like two in the afternoon. Like, dude, like, chill. <laughs> like, you got a, a nine-year-old girl who lost her parents, and this lady who has no idea how to raise a kid, and just give him a break. I mean, cut him some slack. 
you know what, like, I guess make notes of it, and, and then at the end, you know what, give, con like, constructive feedback. Like, hey, ma'am, you know, I noticed these things you could improve upon, so will you please work on these for our next session? I mean, I guess that's how I would approach it. But, yeah, <laughs> I guess social work can be difficult because I study psychology, mind you. And that's one of the things that I could have gotten myself into, but I chose not to. <laughs> because I know people who are social workers and over time they become like this. Not everyone, mind you. Not everyone. I guess their patient, I mean, their patience is limits or gets limited over time. <laughs> yeah, it takes a lot of dedication, mind you. We're not trying to talk smack about social workers because it is a difficult job. At least me, Maria. I don't know about you. <laughs> I know. No. Um, I remember my last social worker. She was so sweet. The kindest person ever. Um, but before that, I've seen some that were just, I don't know. I felt like <laughs> Gemma in this scene. <laughs> like, man. Yeah, the, the whole point of this was not to, you know, put them down or anything, but just point out that the one specifically in this movie was not very likable. <laughs> at least at least to me. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, there's things that, that I guess you could have been looking into more deeply before she made an assessment. But anyways, after that, Gemma is, is trying to catch up with work and she tells Katie to use her, her uh, tablet. And she's so focused on her work that she loses track of time. And so Katie shows up and it's like, I don't know, super late at night. And Gemma's like, oh my God, I'm sorry. I was just so caught up with work. So-and-so. And so she shows Katie her project that she made in college. What's the name of the robot? Did you catch it? Um. Yes, it was actually um, Bruce. Bruce. Bruce, okay. So let me ask you something. Are you familiar with college engineering programs? <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> so do you think that if someone made this for their college project that they would be not working for the government or something like that. Because mm -hmm. this thing looks really cool. It looks really advanced and it works with gloves. So you control the, the thing's movement by wearing gloves. You turn them on by, by like punching your own hands, whatever. And then the thing turns on and with your hands, you can control the, the way it moves. So my question, Mariah, I guess, let me rephrase it is, this thing looks really advanced for a college student, no? I would definitely say yes. And I want to reference this gate, like the scene with Bruce, the robot for a college student. It reminded me of the same robot we saw in Real Steel movie with Hugh Jackman in 2011. And this is what it looked, uh, this was the same not same storyline but probably just very similar backstories and i think hugh jackman i think he was what maybe 40s when he um tried doing this with the robot so bruce i mean i can't even imagine somebody in college doing creating something like this advanced so that just takes a lot of talent and probably a lot of math going oh, yeah. into it. Definitely. So I would say Gemma's a genius. Yes, absolutely. 
So that was why I asked you, do you think this person would not be working for the government developing some sort of like secret weapons or something like that? Because I think they, they would have <laughs> picked her up right away. <laughs> yeah. They would, okay, ma'am, you're coming with us. You're going to make some uh, weapons for us now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I think they would have done that in real life or, or not. Nah, I guess in real life, but in the movie, real life, I mean. Uh, <laughs> instead of letting her work for a toy company, which is nothing wrong about that either, but come on, I mean. I would feel like, not that it's a waste of her talents, because she seems to be doing really well and she seems to be happy with her job. But I think she could be working on bigger stuff than that. Me, personally. But anyways. After that interaction with, with Katie, and because she really liked the robot. So Gemma decided, you know what, I'm going to fix Megan for Katie, because... She had a lot of fun with my robot here that I made for college. So I'm going to fix Megan for her. And she does. And so... Katie... Immediately falls in love with Megan. Do you think you would have felt the same way? Absolutely. <laughs> so... Why is that? Will you be able to explain to us? Um, I think it's more of i always wanted a little sister when i was a little girl never got one but i feel like a lot of my dolls were something that i could care for and so i still see them that way and i feel like they are so friendly and it made me feel not alone in life and just a great companion, even though, you know, hopefully there's no soul. <laughs> so. <laughs> but just something to hold on to that is so beautiful looking and stuff. And yeah, so I would say it was more of a bond, I think. Just And then I can't even imagine having someone like Megan interact with five-year-old me i would flip out i would <laughs> this would be my life i think do you think that you would have felt comfortable with her talking back to you absolutely yeah i would definitely be i think i would probably be creeped out just in the beginning <laughs> but i think i would warm up to it because i do remember being five years old and being a little creeped out when i would hear dolls speak but then i would warm up to it but i always loved them like the love is always there it's just the talking kind of creeps me out just a little bit but now i just i love them so much so yeah i think i would i would be really creeped out at first <laughs> in real life and you know what that's actually perfectly normal because you got a couple of minutes here Mariah to listen to me rant about something <laughs> you're like well, what, what, what choice do I have <laughs> <laughs> so this topic and other ones that I'll be talking about we could speak about for days but basically have you heard of something called the uncanny valley no, I don't think I have. So uncanny, like, oh my god, this doll is so uncanny, like one of a kind, they're so amazing, right? The uncanny valley. And basically, that theory or that concept states that 
the more realistic something looks, the closer it looks to a human being, the more freaked out we're going to be about it. Oh, wow. So basically that explains what you just told us, that you would have probably been freaked out for the first couple minutes about this thing (laughs) (laughs) talking to you (laughs) and looking like an actual person. But eventually, I guess because you were a child, you you would... um, get used to it and, and warm up to it and, and just decide, oh, it's just a toy that I can play with. But for adults, I don't think that would ever go away, necessarily. I think we would always be afraid of, or not afraid of, but kind of freaked out about a robot that looks almost like a real person. So, do you think we'll actually get to that point in our lifetimes with technology? I hope so. <laughs> I hope we do. That would be so cool. I would I would go into like the beta testing and be like, hey, I'm offering for free. <laughs> Give me your product. <laughs> go and hunt them down. <laughs> I hope I hope we, we do, but I think we, we can because in the early nineties we actually kind of explored that idea. Do you remember those Nickelodeon commercials where they would show the robot giving the child their dinner or something? I can't think of that right now, no. Yes. So they made a robot in the the late 90s. um, And that was a huge Christmas toy. And I think they got discontinued because they would talk back to the child. And they would hear everything and they would give them food and do whatever the child wanted. But it looked exactly like a robot. So I'm thinking because of Megan, I'm thinking we may get something similar, maybe perhaps more in technology today. And then the art behind the facial, because there's so many artists out there that can really put so much details in making basic like masks and stuff, creepy masks that look very real. So I think I think we may see this, something like this in our future. I don't know if it's gonna get to that point. I mean it will eventually, right? But I don't know if I'll be alive long enough to see it. <laughs> so that's what that was my, my point here. Don't worry, Chewie. I'll go meet you at the cemetery. <laughs> You go, like, yes, <laughs> you go shopping. Look what we made. <laughs> Look what was made today. What I bought. <laughs> yeah. Um, not that I'm ancient, mind you, but I'm close to forty years old. And <laughs> yeah. give her, give her take. Surprise. I mean, still in her twenties. I mean, uh, yeah, forties and her twenty, I guess. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm just guessing here. I'm, I'm not trying to be grim or, or Debbie Downer, but uh, best case scenario, I think I got maybe like another forty years in me, plus or minus. Okay. Uh, so I'll maybe hopefully live to be 80-ish, uh, give or take. That's, that's just my own personal estimation. <laughs> maybe I'll get to live longer. Maybe, hopefully, I'll get to live longer. <laughs> Not, uh, well, I don't want to talk about it. But <laughs> but basically what I was trying to say is that uh, and then in the next 40 years or so, I don't know if it's going to get that advanced. I mean, of course, we're going to make jumps in technology and stuff like that. For it to get to the point that it got to with Megan in this movie, I don't know. But then again, I'm not a tech person, so maybe they're working on that as we speak. 
<laughs> so, chan chan chan, maybe in the next 10 years or so we can get our, our own personal robots. Would you buy one? Yes, I would. But <laughs> what was freaky, and we see this in the Megan movie, is the evil behind it. Like Furbies. We grew up with them in the 90s, early 2000s. And then they would go off at 3 a.m. in the morning by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe they need to work on that. So future tech people, if you're listening, please work yeah. on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please make sure you have a priest on site and bless these things as they're being made. <laughs> Throw holy water around. <laughs> to prevent any demons or evil spirits from entering these <laughs> These panic for me. So, basically, yeah, Katie really bonds with Megan right away. She is her BFF immediately. And Megan starts analyzing them, I guess. You, you see, like, little scenes where she's looking at people and trying to evaluate their emotional responses, their heart rate, stuff like that. And I thought that was kind of creepy, also. <laughs> I think that's giving a machine or a robot too much power. <laughs> but what do I know? So, well, the point is that Katie and Megan bond immediately. And so, eventually, though, Me Megan starts asking creepy questions. Because she overhears Gemma talking about how Katie's parents die. So Megan is like, how do they die? What is death? What is this and this? And so Gemma's like, okay, turn off. You don't need to hear this. But <laughs> she made the mistake of making Megan a... Basically, she's able to connect to the internet and, and download stuff and research stuff on her own. So she starts to look into the death of Katie's parents. She finds the cause of death, the accident, whatever. And then she starts learning about death and what death means for humans. So, I thought that was a very creepy scene. I don't know about you. I loved it. It was definitely creepy, <laughs> I must say. So, yeah. If your Siri or your Alexa starts asking you, what does it mean to be dead? <laughs> oh, mine has gone off. And now I call her Megan, actually. Since watching this, I call her <laughs> Megan. I have two of them. And so I, I call her Megan now and but she's you know the a word i don't want to say that because she's near <laughs> me <laughs> and it's creepy she'll go off in the night by herself so that also gets into another scene that we see in this movie but do you think it's a good idea to name your your assistant after uh uh I think so. Well, I, I liked it. I was like, okay, Megan, stop it. <laughs> Turn off. So I don't have one of those things precisely because they freak me out. I don't have an Alexa. I don't have a, a Siri. And I don't think I ever would. <laughs> I only have Siri on my iPad because I'm an Android girl. So I have an Apple iPad, but not a phone. I don't have an Apple phone. So I have Siri on the iPad, and then I have two Megans in my house. So and you can creepy. teach them, right? You can teach them to to recognize like a new name. You can you can say, for example, "Hey Alexa, from now on, I'll be calling you this." 
Is that how you yes, do it? And, yes, and you can also have, have Megan, right? Because we're talking about yes. the A word, but I don't want her to listen to me right now because I'm really close to her. <laughs> but, um, you can actually have somebody else come in and you can tell her, um, like have them talk and then you say, um, recognize this voice every time and then say their name. And then every, anytime somebody else talks to them, they recognize and they say, and you can ask them, who am I? And they'll tell you what your name is based on your voice. <laughs> so it is freaky for sure. Yeah, no, those things are never going to be in my house. <laughs> <laughs> <That's demonic. laughs> I have enough with my ghost roommate already. So this, I don't need a, a possessed robot to attack me in the middle of the night. <laughs> so, um, a few more things happen that are, eh, you know, whatever. But, but <laughs> eventually what happens is that Katie's playing outside in the front yard. And Megan's kind of just looking at her kind of creepily. And so Katie says, hey, I lost one of my arrows because she's playing with a bow and arrow. Like a toy boy and arrow, man. You're not a real one. <laughs> and so Megan sees that one of her arrows that's missing is in the neighbor's yard where this weird dog is so she goes to find the arrow the dog attacks her and then katie tries to help megan and she also gets bit in the arm and then megan just kind of gives him the, the the death glare both the neighbor and the dog so is this where you felt that you know what this thing is not as safe as it could be yeah this is where i was really sad just because of what happens next after the attack scene that the dog had on Megan and Katie and then what Megan did afterwards I'm like no because I have my Samara and I just kept thinking about Samara my dog in real life <laughs> <laughs> yes so of course Megan has been tasked with protecting Katie at all costs against any harm and since this dog attacked and bit Katie, Megan now considers this dog an enemy. So let's just say, to put it nicely, she takes care of her, of the dog. And we never see the dog again, right? So that's just us putting it nicely because I don't want to say what happened. <laughs> yeah. What happens next is that Gemma sets up a demo for her bosses at the toy company where they're going to show what Megan can do and how she talks and how she acts around Katie. So Katie starts crying all of a sudden. And this should have been a moment for Gemma to realize that this child is not okay. Right? Because... I mean, of course, taking into account everything that happened to the poor child. But with Megan around, I guess she thought everything was fine. Quote, unquote. But in this scene, you learn that, no, Katie is really depressed about what happened. With good reason. So she's breaking down. She's like, you know what? I feel like I'm going to look at my mom's pictures and just feel like I never met her and that I never knew her. And so Gemma's like, oh, my God. And everyone's freaking out. <laughs> Because they think the bosses are going to be like, well, this is, this sucks. <laughs> you know? 
<laughs> but what happens is that Megan actually comforts Katie in a way that's like I think too good if that makes sense she basically knows exactly what to tell her and how to tell her these things and so she's like well tell me something about your mom right and so she does and she's like oh now I have that memory here forever and she plays back the, the recording and so everyone in the room starts crying in, in the CEO room. Like, they're all, oh my god, this is so, like, great. <laughs> Speaking about it from the outside, if I was a CEO looking at this thing, I'm like, what the hell do you make? <laughs> what is this thing? <laughs> like, how did you get this thing to be so realistic and so empathetic and so responsible? And, like, what is going on here? But how would you have felt? Well, if I was the CEO, I guess, like, yeah. her boss seeing this for the first time, I would think, wow, this is so unique. And I love this. Just because of the emotional support behind it, that how much comfort it can bring to a child when they're not comfortable enough to talk to anyone. And we see that in a lot of young people. We don't feel, well, I don't want to say I'm young anymore, <laughs> but at different times when I was super young, I remember not wanting to talk to people. And I feel seeing this, someone your height and not someone who would go and tell other people and stuff. And just that, that trust is so beautiful to see. And I really loved that she said she would keep Katie's memories in her heart and then replay them when she didn't want to forget anytime she forgot about her parents and stuff. And, oh, that was so beautiful to, to watch. I get where you're coming from because it is a very emotional scene. And if you didn't know the background to this, that... Megan had already hurt a dog and that in that case you would have been like wow this thing is super advanced and it's amazing what you've done here Gemma but still I mean I don't know like I, I like I like to think that part of me would have been like freaked out to the to the max about this <laughs> because yeah I mean the implications of this depending which direction they go could be really, really good or really, really bad. And in this case, in the movie, they end up going really, really bad in, in the next scenes. But part of growing up, I guess, is feeling like no one understands you. And we all go through that phase. For whatever reason it is that we think, it's like, oh my God, no one gets me. I'm so difficult to be me, whatever. And I think about that now in my life, and I was like, what was I thinking? I was, that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, as, as you get older, you're like, what was I doing? What was I thinking? <laughs> yeah, and I'm speaking about myself strictly, right? I'm not trying to judge anybody out there. Um, because I, I, I'm not trying to make a joke out of this. But a lot of people never grow out of that feeling. They feel like they have no one That's to talk to. True. They feel like they have nobody to talk to. They feel like nobody understands them, that their problems are too much. So we have people making decisions, like, for example, becoming alcoholics, becoming drug addicts becoming criminals, doing things that, that they feel are like a way out of whatever situation they might be in. 
So having something like Megan, for example, something that allows you to confide in them and, like you said, feel like they're not going to be judged, that no one's going to know about this and, and that it's basically a, a, a release mechanism, so to speak. That part of it is really, really cool and it's, it's something that I'm confused <laughs> about how to say this. But basically, I think my point is that more people need to feel like they have someone out there they can talk to. And we need to find a way to provide that for people. So that part of, of this scene is fine. That, that, is, that is well done. But then, considering this thing is a robot, I mean, it's like, whoa. Like, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'd definitely be in the fence about this, but not the people in the movie because they're like, you know what, let's make these and let's sell them for $10,000 each to everyone. <laughs> because that is how much they cost or they're, they're, they're planning on selling these things for once they are mass produced and they are in a lot of homes in the world. $10,000. Is that a fair price? I would... Probably say yes, even though I don't have that. <laughs> Be like, okay, let's go take out a loan. <laughs> That's basically the cost of a very nice used car, my friend. <laughs> yes, it is. It's like, oh, a car or someone who can emotionally support me. <laughs> but this is why I have Samara on my dog, because I feel like she is an emotional support dog. So, I talk to her and she just licks me. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you saying, woman? <laughs> yeah, like, you're crazy. <laughs> or, that's too intense. But it's so warming when you just have, for you, example, your cats and getting to cuddle with them and just that warmth that they have to their friend is so beautiful, I think. And yeah, that is that is a very crazy price, I think. So, yeah. All things considered, I think it is a fair price for everything she can do, everything she can learn. But the mistake that Gemma made is that we learned eventually. She said, "You know what? I didn't complete the programming on, on her. I didn't install the proper safety protocols, whatever." So she wasn't fully developed, and that is why all these things end up happening to them. But speaking of, of, of like emotional support, stuff like that, the therapist shows up again in the scene. And oh, yeah. <laughs> she's trying to tell Gemma, you know what? This thing you made is really, really cool, but it's dangerous. And she's talking about it in the sense of psychologically dangerous. Because she feels like Katie has been spending too much time with Megan to the point that she's starting to see her as a mom quote-unquote. Because there is something, Mariah, really quick that I want to mention. Very briefly studied this in college. But she mentions the concept of attachment theory, which is a real thing out there. If anyone out there studies psychology, this is something that you read about. And basically, it means that when kids are very, very young, and I'm talking about them being babies, mind you, Anywhere from the age of, I want to say, birth to about three to four years old. That is when we form the strongest attachments to people. Basically our parents, right? And our siblings, if we have any. 
people around us that take care of us and feed us and provide us protection. That is a real concept in, in psychology. So she mentions that in, in the movie. And she tells Gemma, you know what? This is getting dangerous because she's getting too attached to this thing. It's to the point that she's thinking she's like her new mom. And she should be thinking that about you, basically about Gemma, right? So that, that was the implication of that scene. Like, hey, you should be doing more to get close to her, this girl, because basically it's uh, it's going to be really difficult to get her to separate from, from Megan. Which we actually do see later on, right? Right. So then the next things that happen is when she takes her to this alternative school and Katie's like, no, I'm not going to go without Megan. So you, you already <laughs> see that behavior starting. Right? Of where Katie doesn't want to go anywhere without Megan. She wants to be with her 24-7, basically. And she convinces Gemma, you know what, let's take her, but we're not going to move her. She's going to be sitting there in a corner somewhere and she's not going to say anything. She's not going to talk to anyone. But of course, Megan being Megan, <laughs> that wasn't going to happen. Because we meet a bully in this alternative school. It, it kind of looks like summer camp, right? Yes. It, it reminded me of Friday the 13th. <laughs> a little bit. The setting, right? Yes. It was very campy. And, of course, young people. Did you ever go to summer camp, by the way? No, I've always wanted to. It's on my bucket list. <laughs> to have a Friday the 13th camp day. Night. <laughs> Night, too. Because I, I want to go in the lake during the day and then camp at night. But have it all Friday the 13th theme. <laughs> so, it's on my bucket list. I'm going to make it happen. You know what? I would be so. so down for that as well. As long as there are no <laughs> Jason Voorhees people running around trying to kill people. <laughs> oh, I would love that even more. <laughs> You're like, yay, Jason, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Gemma takes Katie to this summer camp looking thing that's actually some sort of alternative school for, I guess, parents that want to homeschool their kids or something like that, but also kind of get them to hang out with other kids. Is this going to make me sound like a horrible person, Maria? I'm not sure how you word it. <laughs> um,. Let's just say that I wasn't sad about what happened to this kid. Okay. Is that safe enough to say? <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> but I understand the... As I thinking. Well, he looks a lot older, actually. He doesn't even look like a child. He looks like a high school kid. Yes! Like, in that bullying age. I want to say like a freshman, maybe? Like 13, 14 years old? But he looks older than all the other kids for sure because all the kids look like five six seven eight years old whatever and this guy looks like a 14 year old <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he is so disrespectful of his mother at one point and i was like dude if i talk that way to my mom i would not be alive right now yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> i would have been murdered and buried in a shallow grave somewhere in, in the monte in, in mexico uh <laughs> But, I mean, not literally, mind you, but my mom would have taken care of that very, very, very swiftly. Very fast. Yeah. Well, not chunk Let's just say that I would have been missing a few teeth at the end of that exchange. Oh. For no. sure. Yeah. 
but that is the kind of respect that I had that I have still for my mother. I I'm still afraid of my mom, mind you. <laughs> That's good. That's a good, healthy in Mexican households. It's like, Uh-huh. yeah, I mean, it's it's health. It's love. <laughs> I would say in my eyes. <laughs> I'm an independent adult. I mean, I'm almost 40 years old. I have my own life, my own friends, whatever, but I would never speak to my mom like this, like this kid does. Even at this age in my life, if I did that, she would still, like, kill me. <laughs> and my mom is almost 70, my you, and I'm still scared of her, so. Yeah. Oh wow, that's good. Yeah, that goes to show the, the kind of respect that it's, it's uh, embedded in you as a Mexican kid. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so this kid bullies Katie, and Megan responds to this threat, and... So basically, this boy is trying to attack Megan, slapping her in the face and everything. And then Megan wakes up. And she's like, uh-uh-uh. Listen to me, whatever. And she actually rips the kid's ear off. Yes, and we see a little bit of gore here Yeah. in the unrated version that was available on Peacock. So you see the blood. It's not over-the-top gore, but it's still creepy. <laughs> I, I would say it was creepy to see an ear being pulled out. I thought, wow, that's so interesting. <laughs> I was freaked out at how far away that ear stretched from the boy's head. Oh, yes. It definitely gave me Hellraiser <laughs> vibes. that was at least a foot away from his head. Like, how, <laughs> how far Megan stretches the kid's ear, like this, the, the, the cartilage of the ear. Ah, <laughs> uh, it, it looked like bubblegum cartilage. I would probably eat cartilage bubblegum. You know, bubblegum that looked like it, but not actually cartilage. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if they sold it like at a horror store, I would totally buy it. Like, oh, yay, bubblegum. <laughs> Um, Not real human, but yeah. <laughs> thank you for clarifying that, my friend. Uh, Yes. I was getting a little concerned there. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what you do more. <laughs> <laughs> so Megan basically rips this kid's ear off his head and stretches it before that. Like I said, at least a foot of skin. And so the kid freaks out and then Megan chases after this kid like, like a wolf, right? And like an all fours. And I thought that was pretty creepy, also. But in the end, what happens is this kid falls off a cliff or something, like a little hill. Not a cliff, it's like a little hill. And so a car comes by and bye-bye, kid. Basically. And like I said a little earlier, I wasn't entirely unhappy about that. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And anyways, Gemma starts kind of putting two and two together and it's like, hmm... My neighbor's dog disappeared, and now this kid that was bothering Katie disappeared, or died, rather. And the cops ask her about it, and she's like, hmm, maybe Megan had something to do with this. Chan chan chan. So, I don't know what I would have done in this case. <laughs> I think what I would have done is, is try, to try to find a way to decommission her forever, but... By this point, Katie is super attached to Megan. Super, super attached. And actually, Megan, and this is the point where she 
takes care of the neighbor too, right? Yes, and that was another... That was, I would say, the brutal scene in the entire film. Well, other than... Well, we didn't really get to see the first kill, so I'm not really entirely sure. But this scene with the neighbor, that was a brutal killing. Why do you think it was she was spraying with that thing? Because that is how Megan kills her, with her own little jar of chemicals thing whatever what do you think that was i want to say because i've seen it in horror movies before where I, I don't know if it's some type of gas or something that just melts your face which is really pretty <laughs> to see but it was really creepy i honestly have no idea what it could have been I'm guessing it was what, what I thought it was is some sort of like bug spray or something like that. And then with fire or a torch of some sort. Oh, and she she grabs this machine, I think. Oh, it's, it's been almost a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> so she gets a nail gun and she shoots nails into the, the lady's hands or one of her hands at least. So she can't get up. And then she takes her, her own jar of chemicals and basically just sprays <laughs> her in the face until it melts off. And, <laughs> and I thought it was bug spray, mind you, because my dad, he is what is called an entomologist. So his college studies were all about agriculture, crops, but most importantly, bugs. So my dad knows a lot about bugs. And he had something similar to this in the house at some point that he would use to spray, I guess, uh, bug control sprays or chemicals. But they were never this high pressured. It was always kind of like a little squirt, like kind of like, like those uh, spray bottles with water. Either way, I mean, the scene in this, in this movie is, is pretty, not pretty gory, mind you, but it is kind of freaky. Because you see the lady's face melt off. Almost to the bone, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much of this they changed for the movie theater version. Oh, I know. That would have been so cool to see the difference. I don't think they changed a lot based on what I read about uh, they didn't specify but i think they didn't show a lot of the skin melting they showed like a little bit but not to the extent that we saw in the peacock version so i don't know i i think i don't want to watch the other version after all <laughs> i'll stick to this it's a little bit more graphic a little bit more violent um <laughs> so the cops show up and they basically tell Gemma, hey your neighbor's dead so you know anything about that <laughs> And Gemma's like, oh my god, I think Megan's up to something again. It's uh, <laughs> a lot of things that have been happening lately. So she starts to try to do some research on, on what Megan's been up to. Because part of her functions, Mariah, are that she can upload footage to the cloud. And Gemma should be able to see that footage. And so she starts going into and into those files and trying to see what Megan was doing. But then the files become corrupt all of a sudden. 
Chun chun chun. So then Megan shows up. He's like, "What are you doing, Gemma?" Oh, that was so <laughs> freaky. Because I think it it just came out of nowhere where Megan appears. I was like, "Oh, wow." <laughs> <laughs> it so, almost feels like Megan is a real person at this point. Yes. Just creeping on on poor Gemma, <laughs> checking the logs. <laughs> So Gemma's like terrified of this thing now. And Megan's like, what's the matter? Are you scared? And Gemma's <laughs> like, <laughs> Gemma's like, uh, no. And Megan's like, oh, but I see you're sweating a lot. And I see your heart rate is going up. And this and that. And it's like, <laughs> like, you can't hide things from this robot thing, Gemma. So I don't even know why you're trying. After all, you made her. You should know that she could be doing these things to you. But she still finds a way to trick her. She's like, hey, look at the span here real quick. And she has like an off switch in her, in her head or something, like in her hair. So Megan's turned off at this point, and Gemma like wraps her in duct tape and saran wrap and whatever. <laughs> she basically just like, I don't want to deal with this right now. So she takes her back to the office and she tells her, her friends, hey, uh, can we like look into this because this is creepy? And they respond by saying, hey, but the reveal is going to happen very soon. So what's going to be the, like, what, what are we going to do? So they're trying to figure it out, how to fix this problem, whatever. And Katie is completely insane at this point. Because we they show her talking to the, the therapist. And she's throwing stuff at her and she's cursing her out and doing all these things throwing a tantrum and then at some point she grabs a knife and threatens the therapist yeah that was really creepy mind you this is the therapist the one that was judging Gemma earlier for having the toys in boxes and not letting her niece play with them <laughs> but yet she is here like giving her free access to a knife uh <laughs> <laughs> So, anyways, Gemma comes in and Katie slaps her. Oh, yeah. Because she's trying to get her to calm down. Like, hey, Katie, chill. And Katie's like, no, I want Megan. Like, bah, slaps her right in the face. And the therapist is like, oh, my God, what's happening here? This child is evil. The devil has gotten to her. Whatever. <laughs> but by this point, Gemma has realized that, you know what? I have not been doing my job with you. I messed up and I didn't approached this the way that I should have. So Gemma apologizes to Katie. And she tells her, you know what? Like, what happened to you was terrible and I'm really sorry. And I'm here for you to help you get through this and, and I'll do better with you. And she makes these promises, right? And she means them. You, you can tell she means them at this point. It's not just empty promises anymore. So what happens is the reveal is going to take place soon. And, and the friends are trying to figure out what Megan's problem is. And Gemma takes Katie back home and leaves her job, basically, to show Katie that, you know what, right now, what's most important to me is you. I don't care about my job right now. I don't care about Megan. I don't care about anything. And so it seems like things are going to be okay, but then, chun chun chun, Megan comes back to life, somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and she attacks the friends, right? She she hangs the guy from, from uh, using some sort of, like, cable or wire or something that's like, really sharp. So I honestly thought this guy's head was going to come off at this point. 
but it didn't. So that kind of made me happy. <laughs> not sad. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, of course, I'm happy the guy survived and everything. But I was kind of like, mm, that guy's head's gonna come off in a second. But it didn't. So good for him. <laughs> but it was because his friend saved saved him by cutting the cable with some sort of like a saw. And then Megan escapes the lab. She blows up some sort of a gas container. This is where like the creepiest scenes start to take place, Mariah. Yes, my favorite scene. What did you think of Megan's dance routine? I loved it. It also took me back to The Shining. Just, I, I don't know, I think it's in the hallway of this event that's where they have this event at. It, it looks like a hotel almost. <laughs> the hallway is just so creepy. But I really, I really want to do this now so bad. I think I want to be Megan for Halloween this year. <laughs> I think. You should be. Yeah, I think I would totally knock it off the ball game. <laughs> and I would love to do a dance scene like her. In this It was so beautifully moved. Just the dancing and then hunting down David as assistant <laughs> Bert in the elevator. <laughs> that was so cool. <laughs> I was like, yeah, go Megan. <laughs> but it was, it was really cool. So the dance number was pretty cool, but I was really creeped out by it, mind you. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because it's, it's a doll and it looks... Like a little, and I think I think you've mentioned that before with creepy kids that they're just really creepy, and yeah, that's what she is. Uh huh. But it also goes back to what I was talking about a little earlier about the uncanny valley because I know this thing's a, a doll, a robot. So <laughs> watching her dance like that just really threw me off. I was like, oh my, that looks really creepy. That looks weird. It looks surreal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was just like, oh, yeah. no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Run for your life. <laughs> so I hadn't made the shining connection like you did. I mean, that's not really a connection. It's just like a like like a feel, right? Of, of the, the 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 hallway looks like the Overlook Hotel in The Shining, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> so Megan chases David, and David's by the way Gemma's boss. I've just been calling him the boss, but that's his name because I had forgotten his name was David, mind you. <laughs> So he is running away from her. She has this weird blade thing that she found somewhere. And she catches up with him as he's reaching the elevator. And his assistant, Kurt, is like, oh, coward. He's like, oh, no, nope, nope. I'm going to close the door here. <laughs> so David gets what's coming to him. Megan stabs him directly in the chest with this thing. And then she talks to Kurt, the assistant. She's like, hey, so what happened is this, right? You're, you're like frustrated and angry because you have a terrible boss and your coworkers make fun of you. And that is why you did this. The question is, do you think you could stay alive or whatever? And <laughs> I was like, that thing's like, oh my God, this is super scary now. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, the conversation is a little bit longer than that, but that's basically what happens, right? And the guy's like, oh, yeah, let me live. And she's like, nope. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong answer. 
answer. Uh-huh. And I can tell you, Mariah, that's one of the changes that they made for the movie, for the movie theater. Because I saw a clip of that scene that somebody was talking about, and there is no blood whatsoever. None. Oh, wow. Then the Peacock version, there's a lot of blood, isn't there? <laughs> yes, it's not. Uh, it's, it's a, I think... The gore is—it's not as extreme, and I feel it's—it's the it's right amount for horror fans that may not like gore too much, but it's still good. It's still good for yeah. sure. Yeah. So basically, the elevator becomes a bloodbath. There's two dead people in there now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Megan is gonna chase after Gemma and Katie. Somebody sees that there's dead people in the elevator, so everyone freaks out in the reveal party. And then Megan steals a car, which I thought was kind of funny, <laughs> but also scary. Because she takes, I think it was David's car, no? Probably? Probably. It doesn't necessarily go into details with that, but I think, I don't, I'm not sure if it was a smart car. Or what? But it looked really cool. And I was just thinking, that would be so nice to have Megan as my driver. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can take me to Walmart to go clubbing at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, Megan, let's make the next stop to the liquor store, please. Um... <laughs> um, so, uh, I need a refill, but I can wait. It's okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, so yeah, she goes back home and Gemma realizes that Megan is back in the house. So this is when they have a really creepy conversation. Basically, Megan tells Gemma that she has known about Gemma's work on her. Because she tells her something like, Remember how we stay up until 3 in the morning, whatever, listening to this, talking about all these songs and all this music? And I was always there for you and this and that. And it's like, well, so this thing has been self-aware since then. When it was just computer programming. So, number one, th that again showcases how genius Gemma is. <laughs> she made a computer program that can actually learn and be smart on its own. Before she even installed it into Megan. And two, that is creepy AF, Mariah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Of course, I mean, do you know about these people that think that AI is eventually going to conquer the world and, and kill every human, like the Terminator? Yes. I, I've actually gotten some poetry that people have sent me doing the AI. And I thought, ha he didn't come up with that. <laughs> and they're like yeah it was from the AI I was like oh <laughs> so yeah oh, okay so they sent you AI created poetry yes and I thought they they did it but I was like that's too good <laughs> and they admitted they said yeah it was AI <laughs> I was like I knew it <laughs> it's too perfect <laughs> that is hilarious <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh man i guess some people out there are scared that if we make computers too smart eventually they will become too smart 
to the point that they can actually conquer the world and kill every human out there. Um, I don't know if it's, we're going to get to that point, like I said. But uh, I'd rather not be around if that ever happens. <laughs> so, of course, Gemma is terrified by this point because she knows that she can't do anything to Megan. She's a super strong robot. Super smart, too. But then she escapes and she goes to the... I guess her... her, What do you call that? Like a shop, maybe? Where she has all these tools and everything? Yeah, I would say probably like a workshop in her house somewhere. Mm -hmm. And... I don't know why she has this massive chainsaw in her wall. <laughs> but it's a good thing for her because she's able to defend herself for a little bit with it. To <laughs> hold on long enough until Katie shows up. And this is where she's like, okay, um, there's another person in this house that I didn't tell you about. And you said the guy, the, the robot's name is Bruce, right? So she turns Bruce on with her glove switches, whatever. And this really gave me, like, Avenger vibes. I don't know about you. Mm, uh, yeah, I would definitely probably say Real Steel and Advent, um, Avenger. <laughs> I can't even say the name right. Yeah, because she... The Avengers. <laughs> because she controls the robot and she fights Megan with it. And she, you see Katie moving around and, like, moving her hands everywhere and, and punching Megan and stuff like that. So I thought that was a pretty cool scene. And eventually she splits Megan in half. That's not the end of Megan though, because Megan wakes up like half body and her like half her face is missing now, the hair is gone, and she's got this chainsaw scar in her face, kinda like Chucky, actually. So beautiful. <laughs> so that part of the movie reminded me of Chucky a lot because Chucky at some point gets all these <laughs> scars and stitches and everything and the hair gets messed up and everything. So that look I think was really inspired by Chucky, obviously, I would say. And so this is where Megan cur curses out Katie for the first time. She's like, oh my god, you're so ungrateful, blah, 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 whatever. I'm gonna kill you, this and that. And <laughs> so Gemma gets up and she starts to tear her apart, piece by piece. But Megan stops her right before she turns off her computer brain, I guess. But then Katie jumps back in, she grabs, I don't know what it was, maybe like a knife or something, and she stabs Megan right in the computer brain. And that ends it, pretty much. And then in the last scene of the movie, we see that, that her friends are showing up to her house because they call the cops. So, how do you explain this to the cops? There is no absolutely <laughs> way you can explain what went down. They would not believe you. <laughs> No one would in their right mind. <laughs> mind you, there are two corpses in in the toy company office, and the the coworkers, the friends of Gemma, get, I get, they have injuries themselves. But I think you are correct. Let's just see, make a simulation here, Mario. Okay, I'm gonna dial nine one one. Beep, beep, nine one one. Yeah, I want to report that a robot killed my friend. <laughs> like, who's going to believe that? 
<laughs> yeah, there's absolutely no way. I'd be like, oh, oh, you did it is what you want to say. <laughs> that's that's where you would go automatically is thinking they're trying to cover it up by blaming something that isn't real. So that is really hard evidence to even prove. So that too is is wild to me is how they're going to be able to prove everything and move on from that. I guess maybe the dead bodies in the toy office might have helped a little yeah. bit with that the explanation. But hopefully security cameras. <laughs> I mean, but but Megan controls those. Remember how she the alarm oh, had, been, had yeah. been turned off and then she's walking around and she turns yeah. the alarms off and she controls all the, the cameras and everything. So that would have been out of the question also. So there is no way the cops would have believed. They would have been either this is a prank call or you're on drugs. So what is it? <laughs> <laughs> or like you said, you killed your friend. So where are you? <laughs> so we can go pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, the cops show up. Like a whole bunch of cops show up. Like 10 patrol cars show up at this woman's house, Gemma. And the last thing we see, though, is the assistant, the computer thing, whatever turned on by itself chan, chan, chan. so i want to ask you mariah do you think that was a cliffhanger for a sequel yes especially well i think right now the i guess i don't know if it's called ai is becoming more popular in today's society so I'm definitely thinking they're either going to do something with um, the Alexa app. <laughs> I'm trying to say it all though, <laughs> so she doesn't hear me. Uh, so she'll say, excuse me, what? <laughs> I didn't understand that question. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do feel they are going to probably explore possibly the app of the the little um, device and how it listens and picks up everything. So I wonder how that would look like as a villain because it can't get, it doesn't have any feet. So it definitely would probably do other things, maybe in a paranormal way, such as making the lights go off and on, getting the pans off the wall, falling down, something like that, I would probably think, because it does not have legs as such as Megan. But who knows? Who knows what they may do? And then I heard a lot of stories that about the AIs that in real life, there's a lot of horror stories, real life horror experiences that people have experienced in real life and paranormal using the AI that have already happened. So I'm thinking maybe they'll probably get um, an idea based on that too and probably mix it in. So that would be kind of cool to kind of see a movie about that. I would totally be interested because my has gone off <laughs> in the middle of the night without me talking. And what's even scarier is that my, my dog, Samara, just yesterday or day before i think she got up at 3 a.m in the morning dead silent tv was off everything was like black everything was dark all, all the lights were off and she got up and she started barking and looking towards the door 
and I can see the Alexa app, the color blue go off and my Samara was just barking. And she only does that when, when she knows there's people around or if there's someone at the door or she can just send. That's the only time she barks is when, if there's somebody else present, that isn't me. So that freaked me out. <laughs> I was like, I am not going to go check. <laughs> I'm going to lay here. And yeah. <laughs> but it was scary. <laughs> I can tell you, Maria, that was definitely the smart choice. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm going to lock my door now because it wasn't locked either. You were not like the movie characters that we see. <laughs> but what is that noise? <laughs> Let me go explore. Yeah, and go look. No, I was like, yeah. uh-uh. <laughs> I'm staying right here. <laughs> so that was very smart. Thank you for doing that. That was the, the sensible choice. And that is really freaky, though, that your dog was barking and that you could see the light under your, your door turned on. Yes. Yes. And it was the blue circle that that goes off and it freaked me out (laughs) (laughs) i don't know that is a very interesting take i would have never thought of that like i I think they might be doing something a little different but i liked your idea for a sequel that maybe they're gonna use the 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 ai assistants whatever to kind of make people think they are being haunted by ghosts or something, but it's actually Megan kind of like playing jokes on them. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe not jokes, but you know what I mean, right? Uh, (laughs) But I think that they're going to go maybe in a different way because at one point we see the assistant, Kurt, downloading Megan's files to his computer. Oh, yes. So it's possible he may have emailed that to somebody or something, or someone's going to steal those files from that computer or something. And maybe they're going to create a new Megan based on that. But who knows? They have a lot of of ideas or options for this sequel. So I'm really excited. If they do make one, I'll definitely watch it. For sure. And I have one question, Mariah, before we, we move on to the scores. Are you familiar with the... Three Laws of Robotics? No. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to nerd out, nerd out here for a couple minutes. And mind you, I'm not really familiar with the author's work. But the guy I'm talking about is Isaac Asimov. Really famous sci-fi author of the 50s. And I did read a couple books by him, I think, when I was in high school. But I can't remember. He actually is the one that created the story of iRobot. That the okay. movie was based on. So among other, among a lot a lot of other things. So basically, in his stories, he always talked about AI and robots and how humans would interact with them. And in a lot of his stories, he talks about what became known as the three laws of robotics. So it's science fiction, right? But these have become really popular for other movies and authors to use in their own works. So basically, the first law is... I'm going to read this as I found them on Wikipedia. So basically, the first law says... A robot may not injure a human being or, through inaction, allow a human being to come to harm. So basically, these would be part of their programming already. Right? 
So oh. basically saying that, hey, uh, robots can't ever injure humans or fail to protect them if they see that a human's in danger. So you, robots are supposed to protect humans, which is basically kind of what happened when, when Gemma told Megan, hey, protect Katie from everything. Basically, that was, that was kind of like a retelling of the first law, kind of. The second law would be a robot must obey the orders given it by human beings except where the orders conflict with the first law. So basically, if someone tells a robot to kill a human, the robot can't do it. Or they're not supposed to do it, right? Wow. The third law would be a robot must protect its own existence as long as the protection does not conflict with the other laws. So basically, robots can't hurt themselves either. Or put themselves in danger, rather. Unless it is to save a human, right? So basically, these... All three of them, they're kind of present in the movie in a way. And I just wanted to bring that up because it's a really interesting thing. In their own way, right? In the movie, they didn't specifically say these things in the movie. But you could tell where they got some of the ideas from based on this. And I thought it was a cool thing to bring up. So, I just wanted to nerd out for a couple minutes for you guys out there. And for Mariah, too. So, <laughs> of course. I always enjoy them. <laughs> nerd moment over, Mariah. So, back to horror. <laughs> Basically, I have one story to share about a doll. Since you shared your, your Alexa story or your assistant story. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Don't say her name so loud. <laughs> she can hear you, Chewy. I know. And that scares me. Uh, <laughs> so I used to live with my aunt when I moved over here from Mexico. I was about 10 years old. And she had a porcelain doll in her room that I was always terrified of super scared because I've always been scared about these things ever since I watched the movie and uh, the movie in question Maria I don't know if you've ever seen it I think I might have sent you a picture of this thing it's a Mexican horror movie that's super cheesy super low budget which is called Vacaciones de Terror oh no I remember you told me about it and I I, I, I was trying to look for it but I don't think I spelled it right okay. <laughs> on Google <laughs> you'll have to send it to me again <laughs> the movie's on YouTube I think and it's I think divided in two or three parts but it's there the full movie and it's super cheesy super low budget but I watched it when I was like three or four years old whatever and I was super scared of dolls ever since because the movie deals with uh, this witch that basically possesses a doll and then in turn uses that doll to possess a child but anyways so my aunt had this thing in her room and i was like what the hell is this thing oh no <laughs> and i always felt like that thing watched me whenever i would go into my aunt's room and at one point i can't verify this 100 percent but I am pretty sure that this thing moved by itself. Meaning that it walked around the house. Wow. Because one time I saw it in the living room. And then my aunt asked, who put the doll here? It's supposed to be in my room. <laughs> and nobody would get near that thing. But her. 
I have come to believe that the doll walked in the house. And I have something that may support that idea because eventually my aunt put it away and we never saw it again. So I'm thinking at some point she realized this thing walked around the house on itself but or by itself. <laughs> and then she's like, I'm not going to have this anymore. So she put it away somewhere and we never saw it again. So. Wow. That's so crazy. <laughs> I I haven't seen my any of my dolls. Well, I have I have seen like the different positions that I know I didn't do, and I have my doll room locked, so chum, no one chum. goes in there. So yeah, that's creepy. That's so <laughs> creepy. I'm like, uh uh. I'm about to die tonight. <laughs> but, but that's that's wild. How um how it how it was in different areas and nobody would even touch it other than her. And the fact too is that it, it was so creepy that no one would probably want to touch it. <laughs> so that's even creepier. It's like what? Um but wow, that's that's creepy. I can still remember the doll. The doll, the doll had a red dress and a red hat. And she had little black shoes. The skin was super pale. And she had like curly dark brown hair, I think. Or black. And the eyes were like a hazel color, right, actually. Like a really light brown or hazel almost. That thing looked alive. The face. I'm sorry. <laughs> so That's so pretty. That's scary. I guess. I mean, if, if you're into that kind of thing, which I know you are. But, uh... Yeah. Like, ooh. <laughs> Give it to me. <laughs> I don't know where it is. I mean, it might, it might still be in her house somewhere, like in an attic or something. I, I, I hope I never see that thing again. But... Yeah. <laughs> but for sure. It's been, I want to say, about... Uh, the last time that I saw that thing, I was like 13. So it's been close to 25 years, give or take. Um, but yes, I never saw it again. And I'm very happy about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Mariah, you got anything to add before we go on to the scores? Uh, yes, I do. Okay, so the song that Megan was playing on the piano is actually... Toy Soldiers from a 1988 hit for Martika. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that. So it was, it was, yeah, I'm not familiar either, but it was <laughs> creepy. I remember her playing the piano and it just sounded so creepy. So in case anyone out there in the audience wants to go back and visit the creepy sound, <laughs> that's what it is. Toy Soldiers. <laughs> Um, by Mardika. So, yeah. Um, actually, I think she sings a couple of her songs in the, in, during the movie. Oh, yeah. Yes. Such a beautiful voice. And, oh, and also, the last thing is uh, Megan actually stands for Model 3 Generative Android. But it's, it's so weird. The Android... The A-N is capitalized. So it's almost like the A-I. Oh, okay. I see. 
So yeah, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Now I'm gonna be afraid of like touching my phone since it's natural. <laughs> I'm like, no, please don't, don't, don't get alive. Don't turn alive on me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I like being a human being. I like being alive. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Mariah, I guess we can go on to the scores then. And let's go with how many creepy dolls does Megan get out of 10 and why? 10. Uh, just because I am a doll fan. I don't even care if it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's hard and it's a doll, I'm going to be 100% in. Um, she would definitely, there were a lot of times where she was really creepy. So that is why I'm giving it a 10, just how brutal she is mm -hmm. um in a lot of scenes and i do feel that dolls can be creepy and want to just go crazy so yeah definitely a 10 for me <laughs> I'm going to be a little Debbie Downer tonight, Mariah, for you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're going to be like negative two. Uh, <laughs> I want to give it a negative infinity just because of the fact that it's a doll. And I'm terrified of dolls, mind you. <laughs> no, nah, but I'm kidding. Uh, I'm going to give this a nine because everything was fine. The story was creepy. The story was interesting. Actually, they touch up on a whole bunch of things outside of the fact that it's a horror movie. They touch up on, on the concept of loss on the concept of emotional development for kids, all these things that we talked about in, in the episode. So that's all pretty cool and interesting, I thought it was, at least. But I'm taking one point off because I thought the CGI was a little weird. I agree. I definitely agree with that. But yay, that's that's a pretty high rating. And so that's good. That makes me so happy to still be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't, don't send your assistant to look for me at night, please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that is the only reason why I'm giving this a nine because I thought they could have done better with the CGI, honestly. But besides that, everything else was really interesting. I thought it was a well-done movie. I thought it was funny at times, scary at other times, and I would definitely uh, be looking for a sequel, for sure. And how many skulls does Megan get, Mariah? I'm gonna go with a nine. <gasps> nine skulls. Why is that? I thought you were gonna give this creature a ten. Well, I think maybe I was expecting just a little bit tiny more on the fear factor. So, yeah. But, but she was pretty close. <laughs> I mean, she's not going to top Chucky. So <laughs> I think that's probably where I'm going. Okay, for. I see. So, so, yeah. I'm actually going to give her a 9 for this too. Because, like we said, she's really scary. She's really creepy. She can learn everything in a split second. She can upload herself to the internet if she wants to. Which I think is what happened at the end, by the way. Maybe. And like you, I think I was hoping for a few more kills. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, but besides that, I think 
they have a lot of potential for this character. I just hope they really don't mess it up. In the sense that they don't make her do the crazy things that they made the other icons of horror do, like take into space or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> I would watch it. I mean, actually, in her case, that actually would make sense because she's a robot. So I guess that, that actually could make sense if they ever go to space or to the future, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but my concern would be that whatever sequels they make about this, that they are as good as this, if not better. So hopefully they do a good job on that, if they ever make a sequel. So, Mariah, I guess we have come to the end of our making discussion. So how do you feel about this movie overall? I loved it. It was so good. I think it's definitely if I had, I'm not a mom, but if I had maybe maybe a six or seven year old, I think that may be appropriate because I was five years old when I first watched my horror film movie, which was Child's Play, and I loved it. And it wasn't scary at all for me, the first one. So I would probably say for the audience. Just my ex based on my experience. If I was a mom, I would probably wait until they're maybe six or seven. <laughs> I don't know about three. I might traumatize them too much. But I was I was definitely mature for five. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, I wanted Chucky and I still really want him so bad. But um I'll make it happen someday. <laughs> I would definitely recommend this movie to people. If they're looking for something similar to Chucky, I would say. Uh, if they're looking for something that they can enjoy with their their young kids, maybe, I would say maybe 10 years old would be the, the, the line for me. That's a good age, too. <laughs> yeah. But it depends, because like you said, some kids can be a little bit more mature. They can understand things a little better, but... The concept. Of, uh, of in general, movies. I think maybe 10 will be good for them to... Maybe they want to do a scary movie night, if I ever had a kid. <laughs> um... But, yes, definitely a, a good movie to catch if you haven't seen it. If you're terrified of dolls, this might not be the movie for you. <laughs> but if I made it through it, then so can you. So, <laughs> quit your whining. Ah. <laughs> so, Mariah, what's in store for the next episode? We talked about doing, is it Violent, Violent Christmas, I think? Yes. I don't know if it's a Violent Christmas or Violent Night. <laughs> I don't know. I keep calling it Violent Christmas, but I think it's not the right title for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Violent Night. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just checked just to make sure. And it's the guy from Stranger Things. Yes. I don't know his name, but I remember his face. But you had also suggested a couple other ones, right? What were they? I'm trying to find the message you sent me here. I actually wrote them down, <laughs> and I don't know where I put the paper. Um, but oh, um, you mentioned Silent Hill. Yes. The original movie, and then you also mentioned... Oh, I think it, it would probably have been Violent Night, I think. That's the one we're talking about. So, which one do you feel we should do? Silent Hill, maybe? Silent Hill sounds really good. For the next episode... Yeah, because I'm thinking we, we might do Violent Night for when it's actually Christmas season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Violent Night sounds really cool. 
somebody once um, told me that I should totally cosplay the little girl. And so I haven't <laughs> watched the film. So I played the game. I have the game on PS3. Oh. And online as well. But I just, I've never seen the film. So I'm excited to watch to watch it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it, but it's been a while. So I think... I thought, rather, that when I saw it back then, it was a good movie. So I think you probably would enjoy this. So I guess we can stick with that for now. And, well, that'll be all for our discussion on Megan after almost two hours of... <laughs> <laughs> I, and I still feel like we could have talked about a lot more things in depth, but we can't, for, <laughs> for time reasons, do that anymore. Uh, but I don't know, maybe we can revisit this at some point later on. Yes. With um, all the doll stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, that'll be all for us here at EMVO. I want to thank you guys for listening, taking time to listen to our rant, critique, weird stories that we have about doll experiences, stuff like that. It was a very enjoyable episode to make, Mariah. Thank you very much for joining me. Of course. And I want to remind you guys out there in the audience to please check out our Linktree page, which is linktree.com slash mythsbehindlgds, in which you can find our social media links like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, etc. You can also find a link to our online store so you can buy some sweet EMBO swag for yourself. I recommend it because the shirts are pretty cool. I have a few of them with me. And I also want to remind you guys that if you are listening to a service in which you can score the podcast you just listened to, to give us a top rating because we are cool like that, aren't we, Mariah? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be all. Once again, thank you guys for listening. And I want to remind you to stay away from weird, creepy dolls of all kinds. <laughs> all kinds, sizes, body style, uh, shapes, whatever it is. Stay away from all of them. They're bad for you bad for your health <laughs> and with that warning having said that <laughs> uh, until we see you in the next one have a good one <laughs>